Welcome to Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Reggie Theist, my Lionel Simmons. It's my co-host, <laughs> Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? Uh, it's pretty wild so Emergency. Far. Emergency. Emergency podcast, <laughs> yep. <laughs> we don't ever get to do this. This is weird. I know. <laughs> I, know. Uh, I really appreciate uh, eight teams getting some moves out of the way, or I guess act technically seven teams getting some moves out of the way early so that we could actually have a chance to talk about it. We are... It is currently 12.55 p.m. on Tuesday, February the 8th. We are both in our home offices, ran home on our lunch break so that we could get in an emergency podcast because all 12 of our listeners deserve the best that we can give them. And we are here. We are here to do that today because we have had some podcast. Some some stuff is happening yeah. today, man. Some moves are happening. Yeah. So. My boss, if you're listening, I hope you understand because this is just this is taking it's lunch break. Yeah, it's it's lunch your break. time. That's true. You're it's right. Your That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you want. Uh, you could be you could be sitting in your car uh, taking a nap <laughs> like I used to do on many lunch breaks <laughs> at some of the previous jobs that I that I used to have. Um, we got to get right into it because we do have a short time to to get through these. We've had four moves over the last uh, I don't know 48 hours ish, something like that. I had a big meeting this morning, very long meeting. Um, and I was getting my, <laughs> I had to turn my phone, like even took off the, uh, the, I've never have once in my life had like the, uh, the ringer on obviously, uh, cause I'm not 73, but, uh, but I had to turn off even the, the vibrate and everything. Cause I was like, my phone is blowing up because a, a trade <laughs> went down. Um, let's look, let's start, uh, let's start chronologically. Okay. Cause we want to end on the two big ones that happened today. Just, uh, maybe let's touch on these a little bit quicker. Karis LeVert, I believe, was the first piece to go off the board o- over the course of this break, not counting, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, the uh, <laughs> like the Rajon Rondo kinds of trades that we've had. We talked about LeVert quite a bit in the last couple of episodes because it, it was very apparent that he was going to get traded. Um, I didn't think that there was any chance that he was going to stick around. He goes to the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, along with a 2022 second for Ricky Rubio, who will not play the remainder of this year, unfortunately. Ricky Rubio's contract, basically. A protected 2022 first-round pick. Houston's 2022 second-round pick. So probably like the 32nd or 33rd pick in the draft, I would guess. Something like that. Um, and then a future pick in uh, 2027. Go from uh, go from Cleveland to the Pacers. Tobin, what do you think about this move for the, for the Cavs, especially where Levert fits with that team? I mean, I think it's pretty good, like, in the sense of, you know, you can just probably get a score that can help you. I mean, Rubio is obviously out for the year. I don't know what the, I didn't see the protections on that. Did you just say the protections on that first? I don't know if you did or not. It's lottery protected, I believe is kind okay. of, which is where So it yeah. Is. yeah, that's a great move for Cleveland because, you know, you have a player who you're not getting anything out of. He was great when he was healthy, but you've, you've got your quote unquote replacement with Rondo, you know, in that, in that mm-hmm. regard. And so, yeah, absolutely. You make this deal. I, I think that's, that's, it's a high reward, low risk move for them, in my opinion. And plus, they needed a two guard really badly, and so mm-hmm. um, if they really are a, re- a like legit team in this playoff run, which by all accounts seems they are, then this is definitely an, a move they needed to make. I think so. I think that I'm I'm not a big Levert guy. I think I think he uh, I mean he does what he does, and there are nights when he looks unstoppable, but there's a lot of nights where he looks very stoppable. Um, so, uh, you know, and he kind of is a, he's kind of a, I'm going to do my thing kind of guy. I, yeah. I, I think that's part of the issue for me. I think he, he has a hard time. His style of play 
it's it's kind of hard to work into an offense. You 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 he has a style of play that like is usually more indicative of players who are better than he is with with respect. I, I mean, he's a fine player, but like the the type of uh, usage that he requires to be effective, you usually only see more more often than not with like star players. And so it's you can kind of work your team around it when they're that good. When they're not that good, it's sort of inefficient. It doesn't necessarily get the job yeah. done, and it requires him to have the ball constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Cavs are one of the teams, though, that kind of need that. I, sure. The idea for me with this would be, if he starts, he starts, whatever. But the gist of this is going to be you are running the second the second uh, shift because we have a pretty good offense that we're running very well with Garland and Mobley yes. and the rest of this big lineup. I do think that it's going to bog down in the playoffs. I think it's going to be a lot harder for them to score when they get to the playoffs. So bringing in a guy like Levert, who is just a get-my-bucket get my kind of dude, um, and if you can put him on the second unit and get – 25 or 30 minutes out of him in, you know, as kind of a dual role bench and, and uh starter or whatever. Um, I think it increases your chances of, of getting a playoff series. Um, and that's, that's great. And it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty low cost to get Levert who, who has another year left on his deal at a reasonable ish rate uh, for a, what's going to amount to somewhere between like the 18th and 24th mm-hmm. pick. Like, okay. That, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair price to pay. I think if you're Indiana though, especially after today, you probably could have waited a little bit and maybe, I don't know, had a bidding war for him. Cause I think, I think his services were wanted by more than just mm. the Cavaliers. And so I think, I think that the Cavaliers were smart to jump on it. And it, like I said, th- th- this is a very low risk move. So I say, absolutely do it. It's, it's, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's, and I don't think he's getting paid too much over the next couple of years either. So it shouldn't be too bad. Sure. All right. Yeah, I I I like I like it for the Cavs. I don't know that it's like a home run trade or anything like that, but I like it for the Cavs. For the Pacers, I'm kind of I have to believe that they cuz his name has been out there so much and for so mm-hmm. long. I have to believe they kind of came to the the realization that the value on him is lower than maybe we think it is or thought it was going to be and we're technically getting two first round picks for this. Cuz like the 32nd 33rd pick in the draft is a and I don't know how deep this draft is. I don't think it's particularly deep so far, but it doesn't look that way anyway. But like, that's a really good pick. So maybe you pref- maybe there were trade offers out there that were, you yeah. know, a 2022 first round pick and a mm-hmm. future pick that conveys to two seconds later down the line. And maybe you're saying, actually, I'd rather have a late first round pick and a very early second round pick, and we'll be okay with that. So um, I can see where that is. We're talking about the Pacers here some more in a bit. <laughs> uh, the next trade though that happened. Uh, was the Blazers, the Blazers and the Clippers. This one kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. I felt like, but also was like a sort of now, especially we can say a sign of what was to come yeah. for for the Blazers, especially. Uh, here's the trade, and then I'll let you react. Uh, I almost <coughs> said the other one. <laughs> uh, Norm Powell and his five-year contract, along with Robert Covington, who is an expiring contract, are headed to the Clippers in exchange for uh, nothing, nothing. Eric Bledsoe. Oof. Uh, what a what a fall, man. That guy, that guy has completely fallen off the face of of the basketball world. It's it's incredible. Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, who was a late first round pick this last year, hasn't played basically at all for the Clippers, and a future second round pick. Um, so for the Blazers, this is get off contract. For the Clippers, this is we're gonna get reinforcements and have an opportunity to make a run for. I guess the playing spot because there's no reason, I guess, for the Clippers to to not go for it 
uh, given that their pick is going to Oklahoma City one way or the other. Yeah, this everybody that I saw was talking about this was like, man, the Clippers, when they get Kawhi and Paul George back, this is going to be amazing for them. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, maybe. Mm. maybe. But, I mean, I think this is kind of one of those, like, it, it, I don't want to say it's a no-win trade, but it's just like, okay, great. Powell and Covington are great role players, so you're right. They will be helpful whenever um, – those two come back, but those, that money though, man, mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And, the, and like I said, the Blazers, it makes more sense now for them why they did that, you know. And so, uh, yeah, just I, I this this didn't move the needle for me a couple of days ago, and it still doesn't, but it makes more sense today for sure. So, I like it for the. I'm a big Powell guy. I like Norman Powell quite a bit. He's he is. Uh, I, I'll just say it. Hot take. I think Norman Powell is better than CJ McCollum is. Just. In general, I think that um, I don't really want to pay Norman Powell a five-year contract, which I thought was oof. That's it's pretty aggressive when the Blazers did that this summer. Uh, but especially since it felt like one of the reasons they did the Powell Trent trade was because they they were afraid of having to pay Gary Trent. Mm-hmm. And Gary Trent, I think, got a smaller deal and certainly was for. <laughs> For shorter, I, and I he's know. been better he's, this year too. So, oh my goodness, no, yeah. yeah, he's been, he's been outstanding. He's been outstanding. Yeah, I'm I'm a Norman Powell guy. I think he he's a guy who can get his own bucket. He can shoot a little bit. He can he can get he can get something off the dribble. He is a competitive defender. I don't think he's a he's a great defender, but he's strong and he plays up in positioning and all that sort of stuff. I I, I think Norman Powell brings a a great deal to the table. Um, and it's so it's kind of funny to me that they got. They basically what the, they basically got off the contract. This is basically a salary dump for all intents and purposes, and that is, I think, is a little bit surprising. I, I'm sure that there are teams who are looking at his contract and saying, I don't really want to pay Norman Powell twenty and a half million dollars uh, in 2025. You know, mm-hmm. when when he'll be, oh, I don't know, uh, 34, 33 years old, something mm-hmm. like that. But even still, Norman Powell does so many things that every playoff team needs, and I, I just, I have to believe that there was more out there than this. And then Covington is the same thing. Now we, we both are, I think we're both on the same page of feeling like Robert Covington is a bit overrated in what he does on both. <laughs> He's a three and D guy who's like a, I don't know, like a thirty-four percent three-point shooter and not that great individually defensively. So. It's kind of a hard thing to uh, to want to pay for, but they gave up two first round picks two years ago to get him, and he's the type of guy again also that every playoff team needs bunches of. So to to basically get off of all that for Keon Johnson, who has not been uber impressive in the his limited time in the NBA and in the G League, I I feel like that is. That's not great. That's not great valuation for Mm-mm. for these moves and and reeks of. Uh, these were, these were the moves made by my predecessor. Yeah, you little shit. And that's and that's exactly what what it is. Is that this new GM is basically like I need everything out of here except for Damian Lillard because this guy really messed this up and I need to figure out a way to keep Damian Lillard. Which, whatever, man. Like I just you know I just I don't <laughs> understand. I don't understand like that. But you know it, it's it doesn't make much sense to me that you're gonna dump all of that for a couple of, I don't know. I Bledsoe is the part that makes no sense to me. And other than maybe they're just going to buy him out or something. I have no idea, but I, yeah, I mean, they have to have his money in the South in the trade to, to make the trade work. Uh, but 
like I said, it makes more sense today because, like, I think the report was, which we're going to talk about in a second, is that they've essentially created, like, $22 million of trade exceptions and have a, now are going to have $60 million in cap, you know, which, you know, good for you. You know, but this dude's basically playing, he's doing 2K trades in real life, which is, you know, <laughs> it, which is ex- exactly what's happening. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. From the Clippers side of thing, I think it's just what I what I said at the yeah. outset. It's it's that they don't have a pick, so it makes no like. I don't think that this makes them demonstratively better. No. I mean, again, Norman Powell is a really solid player, but like as long as Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are out, mm-hmm. you're not a threat. But it makes you might them, as well get into the play in and have maybe even be favored to win a play in spot uh, if if your owner is willing to 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 pay out the luxury the luxury tax, which obviously Steve Ballmer is. And it's, you know, honestly, people are saying this, so it's not, and it's not an original thought, but, you know, this does make them a lot stronger next year. And so that, that's going to be, you know, something to look forward to for them for sure. So, yeah, they're going to have to figure out how the, how that sets up. Like, I doubt they'll be able to retain Covington. He's a free agent. I I bet he, he moves, but yeah, like you're, you're right. You, you adding Powell to, uh, ostensibly healthy Kawhi and Paul George, definitely. Yeah, and it, and if you can keep Covington there, that it might mean you can cut ties with some other players that are sure. aging sure. out or whatever. I mean, I just I think you know again, if you're the Clippers, that like, you you know this is almost it's it's not a no brainer, but like it it doesn't make it doesn't make you worse. And I think Covington also is if you do resign him, he's a tra- always a tradable piece, and Powell probably mm-hmm. falls in that as well too. So, sure. and I always applaud an owner who's willing to pay. You know, I mean, that, that's just all this comes down. There's not very many teams that would be willing and potentially even able to bring in these kind of contracts, given the luxury tax bill that that team is already play, paying to to end up ultimately maybe being the eighth seed or something. There's mm-hmm. there's very few teams that would do that. And I, I so I, I applaud Ballmer kind of now, <laughs> you know, he has uh, three trillion dollars, so he can. But that's, you know, that's. It's one of the benefits of having $3 trillion. I appreciate that he's actually doing something with it instead of just sitting back and waiting on it. All right, the two big ones happened today. And again, by the time we finish recording this, there may be another one. I'm know. literally watching Twitter to break it. <laughs> honey, too. So There were a few people being like, hey, did they move up the trade deadline and not tell us? Because usually this kind of thing does not fly. Uh, this this Usually, you you typically we will get some moves like the week before the deadline. And then it slows down right up until like the night before the deadline, maybe. And this time they're just getting some of these out early. So it is what it is. Okay, we're sticking with the Portland Trailblazers because in a trade that <laughs> I don't love for either team, I think. So uh, that's kind of where I'm coming down on this at this point. CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell are headed to the New Orleans Pelicans <coughs> in exchange for Jason Hart, Tomas Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander Alexander Walker. A 2022 second round pick that's sort of protected, 2022, uh, and then two other second round picks that I don't know have been defined yet as to what those are. But the gist of this being CJ McCollum for Jason Hart and a first round pick. The pick is protected one through five, I believe, for the uh, for the Pelicans. So, your thoughts on this trade? <laughs> I, you're right. It doesn't make sense really anywhere. Um, if you're the Pelicans, how in the world does this make you better? You know, unless you're, unless you're just wanting to sell jerseys and, you know, maybe, maybe you can walk off Ingram now and still be 
a 10 seed, you know, <laughs> it's just like, it's, it feels like, and I'm going to say this again in just a second. It feels like they're making this trade so that they can make sure that they do well in the play in tournament. And it doesn't, it doesn't mm. like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, like how are you going to, how are you telling me that this is a effective trade right now with the, how he's 34, right? He's 34. So mm, I don't think he's, I yeah. thought he was older than Dame, but I could be wrong. I'm looking it up, but no, I don't think he's, I'll look it up. It's, it's just, I, I, I actually like CJ McCollum. He's 30. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's 30. Um, but you have a lot bigger issues right now to deal with, with Zion and Brandon Ingram, in my opinion, to be bringing in somebody like CJ McCollum, who's going to get you points. Maybe. I mean, he, you know, I don't know, but, mm-hmm. but you know, I think even Bill Simmons says, and I rarely agree with him. So the, f- the fact that I'm agreeing with him says a whole lot, but he said, I w- he said, Josh Hart is a way better player and he was making, tw- not way better. He said, Josh Hart is a better fit and he's making 12 million. CJ McCollum is making $30 million minimum for the next however many years. And so it, I don't understand it, man. I'd like, if I'm, if I'm the Pelicans right now, like I'm, I'm looking at the standings right now, they are literally 10th in the league. They're 21 and 32. They're only a half game up of the trailblazers, a game and a half up of the Spurs. And so maybe that's their motivation is that we need to stay in the play in tournament somehow. Yeah. But, but yeah. why, like, why, you know, I, I don't know. I just, and, and yeah. you know, the saving grace for them is, is they have a ton of picks. So like these picks that they're sending out may not matter as much because they have other options in their wheelhouse, but you know, getting Nance was, was good off of that as well. Like, both these, both these teams don't, it doesn't make sense. This trade does not make sense to me other than the Blazers clearing money and the Pelicans fighting to catch the Lakers. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, look, this is, this is what happens when this is what happens when you let a GM who has sucked continue to, to operate your team. Like you're going, he is making this move because this is a David Griffin special. This is, I got to do something to keep my job. I got to prove that I know what I'm doing here and I've got to yeah. get us up to a place where we can compete for a playoff spot. Look, I, I, I value, I think it's cool if you're like, Hey, there's an opportunity to, uh, to get in the playing game. Should we, should we do that? Or should we, should we stay back and like just, and tank it? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I appreciate a team being like, yeah, no, let's go for it. Where I would probably draw the line on is let's commit a hundred million dollars to a, a sub all-star player mm-hmm. whom probably I'm not super sure fits in, fits in with what our other two best players uh, bring to the table. You know, mm-hmm. that's a risky, that's a really risky play. Now, I mean, look, you can say they didn't give up a ton. No, Josh Hart. I think you, but then at the same time, I'm like, I think you probably could have gotten a first round pick for Josh Hart. I think you could, if you made calls around the league, I'm pretty sure you could get a first round pick. Yeah, and salary filler if nothing, if not and, more. And he's making for Josh Hart. He's making half less than more than half. Sorry, he's making less than half of what CJ is making. And in yeah, I just I can't get over the money side of it because like that that contract is gonna is gonna eat them up the next couple of years. It's gonna be bad. You know, we've already talked about that with the, with the Blazers about how they're paying him on top of Dame so much money, which is why they were in the situation they were in. You know. And now you've basically done the exact same thing with yourself and Brandon Ingram and Zion in a, in a couple of years, you know? And so, yeah, I just, man. Yeah. 
thirty million this year, thirty three million dollars next year, thirty five million dollars. That is so that. much money for a player who's not been on the court very much, and yeah, not a, and a not sub all star player who has had significant injuries the last two years. He's a great he, player he's, when he's healthy yeah. and younger, but he's not either one of those things anymore. Yeah, I just I just worry as much about like Josh Hart makes half of what CJ McCollum does, and Josh Hart is not nearly the the capable player that that CJ is as no. far as like this guy can go get his bucket. Um but he is a he's a better defender by leaps and bounds mm-hmm. cuz you and I are about as good defender as as CJ McCollum is. Um he plays above his position. He kind of does all the little glue stuff. Now, I would say that Josh Hart is not that valuable to to the Pelicans because and he, <laughs> he's even less valuable to the Blazers. He's the kind of guy that you want on a good team because he's going to help a good team yeah. be better. He's not going to launch a bad team into into being good. Um, to me, this just seems like I need somebody to get in here with Brandon Ingram. They have a pretty rough guard. They've had a pretty difficult guard rotation. we got to have somebody out here who can handle the ball. Uh, he's not a point guard, and they're mm-hmm. acting like he's a point guard. So I don't know. I'm not sure how, how well that plays. I don't know how well... Ingram and McCollum play together. It, it it seems a little bit just on paper right this second. It it seems a little similar to the way that McCollum plays with with Dame, just a bigger guy. And so now the part of that it says, well, that's cool because those two are are pretty dy- have been pretty dynamic together over the last few years. And you were like, right? But like they don't really work together so much as they like kind of take turns and. I think that's kind of what you get with CJ McCollum. So I don't know, man. I like CJ McCollum, the person. I like him as a basketball player. His name has been mentioned a ton for for the Mavs, and I've I have been like, please, that is not. I I genuinely believe that is a terrible move. I just don't mm-hmm. think. I don't think you can commit that much of your cap to a guy who doesn't really raise your floor all that much. Um, and that's sort of how I feel about CJ with with the Pelicans. And yeah. Now, and I have no idea how Zion works with anything anymore, man. No, it's, I mean, no one does. That's no one knows what he's even going to be yeah. when he comes back. If he, if he comes back. Yeah. Yeah, this is a we got to save we got to save my job kind of move. Um, and we got to go get that play in spot, which, okay. For the Blazers side of things, I'm a, <laughs> I just got done kind of dogging on CJ. I would I would imagine that when when the Blazers front office got together, they and, and they say, "Hey, we are we are interested in moving CJ. We do think that that's the right thing for this team. Go out, call your people. Let's see what kind of offers we get." And then when they reconvened, I have to imagine there was a lot of like, "Hey, pass around this bottle because this was sad. This was not what we thought we were going to get yeah. on on CJ McCollum." Um, yeah, to get considering Josh they could have again, I think they could flip for a first round pick if they wanted to do. They that, might have so. been able to have Ben Simmons, you know, at the very least this summer. Like if, it, yeah. like you know, like yeah. this past or this past summer. I mean, but yeah, that's the thing is like you went from hey Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum might be a pretty good idea to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well we got Sadoransky and right. you know of, of Alexander Walker who really hasn't done anything. And it's just no, yeah. he's been awful. This yeah, year. I just he's been awful. Yeah. Good grief. I mean, you're right, though. They could flip Josh Hart. It, like, to me, this is all about, like, dump in, create space and money yes. to try to keep Dame happy, and I don't even think that's going to work, honestly, but that's a whole other conversation. So. Well, that's that's what we need to talk about. So they, you're right. They created, what, 21, 22 it's million? It's $22 million dollars in a trade exception. Okay. And then and something like $60 million, $60 million in, dollars in cap space yeah. this coming season, off season. Who's coming to Portland? No one. 
That's the thing. No one. That's the thing. I, I it's mean, like <laughs> if you would if if you would have just said which in listen, it's only Tuesday. There could be more options, right. more things available. Sure. Nurkic is getting moved between now and Thursday. And this honestly, like maybe yeah. they're gonna, maybe they're even thinking of getting rid. I mean, trading Dame. I don't know. Like, I mean, who knows? Like, there's there's no telling. And there might be three teams, you know, a third team jumping into the any of these deals, you know, any any moment. But the thing is, is that you basically have said now either a we're going to have some of these draft picks that we can build a new team around Dame and Dame can be the, the wily veteran to help them. Or you've created space to do the Mavs, you know, the, the Mavs every offseason move of, Oh, we have all this money. You should come to Dallas. And guess what? No one's going to come to you. We've lived this every off season for our whole Mavs lives. Basically like you're not going to get that person over the Knicks or over other, you know, places because no one wants to come to Portland because mm-hmm. you have not shown that you can handle a franchise and well because it's it's Portland. I mean, yes. I, you know, we, like, we deal with this all the time with our yes. with our franchise that's in the fifth biggest media market. And Dallas in, is in better than Portland. Like, <laughs> so I mean, Portland isn't I mean, we just have to be realistic. Portland is not a draw for NBA basketball players. It's just, it's going to be yeah. a really tough sell. And, 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 and your selling point yeah. is come play with a declining 30 something year old. That's making yeah. a ton of money. And it's, it's just, right. you know, like I, and, and who might not even want to be there. Like, and so I don't know, it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me in that regard, but also, oh, I guess let me rephrase that. It makes sense to me if they do are doing this to completely just bum rebuild and then, mm-hmm maybe trade Dame in the off season for some picks in, in the draft or something like that. That to mm-hmm. me, if you're doing that, okay, then this makes sense. Then I'm I, yeah. like, if I, like if we come back to this in July sure. and that's what they did, then I, I understand these and actually support, mm-hmm. support right. this. Right. If you're doing this, cause you think this is going to convince Damian Lillard that you've got a quick rebuild on, on the pipe. Like, I just don't, I don't think that's happening. So yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's like a, if we're grading, we don't do grades, but it's an incomplete. If sure. we're grading that kind of thing. Cause you have to kind of wait and see. I just think, by the way, it's weird to me that they're letting Joe Cronin do all these moves and they haven't, as far as I know, they haven't officially named him the GM. I believe he's still operating under the, the interim title. Um, that's odd. Like, we should fix that. Like, clearly you're going to give him the job if you're letting him out go out here and do these kinds of moves, right? Like, you're not <laughs> you're not just going to turn around tomorrow and be like, actually, we're good and move on. Um, I would assume... But uh, it it seems a little weird. It seems a little weird that that we're we're doing this in the order that we're doing it. Um, yeah, like I look these. I will say I feel like the hey we have sixty million dollars in cap space is a very rookie GM mm-hmm. kind of move, mm-hmm. and I don't I wouldn't love it if I was a. I'm fine with moving on with from all these guys and getting what you can get. I think if anything this this these last few days and maybe we'll see what happens with the next couple of days as well, but. This, this trade deadline so far has maybe kind of taught us that you should move on from the quote-unquote assets on your roster mm-hmm. quicker, rather sooner rather than later, because I do believe you probably could get more for C.J. McCollum at any point in the last couple of years, and and the same for the next guy we're about to talk about. Um, they but they didn't want to break up the band, and that's the thing, and that's hard to I that's know. hard to do. Like that's yeah. you know that's because like, yeah, and and I'm and I'm sure this is going to be tough for Portland fans and for Damian and. And stuff, but yeah, you, you don't want to break up the band because, like, it, it's kind of like this is a very smaller, you know, example. But like, it was kind of like when Dirk and Nash split up. Like, we really wanted to win. Like, when even in 2011, mm-hmm. when the Mavs won the title, 
I had some sadness that Steve Nash wasn't on that team. And don't get me wrong, like we don't win that title probably if we go the route that if we pay Steve Nash that money and he stays there, we may not we may not win that title. But it still had I still as a fan had some sadness that I didn't get to see mm-hmm. Dirk in Nash lift that trophy, but you know that's I th- I, that's even more magnified in this situation because Portland has been CJ and Dame for so long, so long. So yeah, yeah, no, I I, I agree. I understand that what I'm saying. Like I, I'm kind of playing both sides of the coin, or or you know jumping on both sides of the fence a little bit. On if you're gonna do this, you gotta do all those sorts of things. I I understand. I this is probably not the way that I would have done it is, is what I'm saying. And now maybe Joe Cronin saying the same thing. Maybe mm-hmm. he's saying, yeah, I don't want to do this either. That this is the result of mm-hmm. me trying to clean up what Neil O'Shea. Yeah. This is the done. result of O'Shea not, not pulling the trigger last year. Like he should have. So, yeah, but I, I would be, I mean, I would be shocked if they are able to, I mean, I'd be shocked if they were able to turn that 60 million into players that you want to spend $60 million on. Right. I mean, it's just that's just not no. usually you, you end up usually in situations like this. You're taking on a contract somebody doesn't want anymore. Yeah. You 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 end up paying <laughs> you you end up overpaying for Evan Fournier, you know, mm-hmm. or something, something like that. That's typically what happens with 60 million dollars. Now, maybe they're going to be smart and use it the way the Grizzlies have used their cap space. The Nets use their cap space prior to the, the KD and, and Kyrie signings, things like that. And like, hey, we can be a way we can help you make the trade. We're like Oklahoma City, you know, we can help you make the trade you're trying to make while we figure out how we're going to rebuild this thing. But you can't do that with Dame. Mm-mm. So I don't know. It's just a weird. They're in a weird spot, and and maybe this is the best that they could do. Um, I would, if I was them, I'd go ahead and try and flip. I mean, I'd definitely be trading Nurkic. I'd try and flip Hart. But to be honest, I might have gone the opposite. I might have just traded Dame to start with. But that's that's me. That's me. Let's move on. We got just a few more minutes here. Let's talk about the one that came oh. down, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was literally setting up for the, for, to talk about the <laughs> CJ trade, so. Yeah. 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 This is, uh, this, is, this is moving fast today. This is moving fast today. So, look, these names, for the most part, were out there. We knew that there was some, spe- there was some speculation that these things, that these guys were, were available. The Sabonis thing went back and forth. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out if, if, if the Pacers were, like, actively shopping Sabonis or not, and what kind of return we could expect on him. So here's the deal. From the Pacers to the Sacramento Kings, boy, hmm. DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and I believe they are the ones that are sending the pick, right? The, 20, the, pace, yes, the Pacers are sending the pick, yes. Okay. Sabonis, Lamb, Holiday, 2027 second-round pick to the Kings for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and the corpse of Tristan Thompson. Um, go on it. You're you go wherever you go with what you feel, dude. You know, here's the thing. If you were to take Halliburton out of this deal, and it was just healed and Thompson for Sabonis, <laughs> I might even say, "Hey, that's a close trade." But I feel like the Kings are not getting enough for Buddy Healed. Like. I do. I think Buddy Hield sucks. I do too. So I, I, I no listen, I listen. I do too. But the NBA values him very highly. I, I think that the shine came off of him this year. Probably he has been awful this year. His attitude has sucked for the last three years. He looks like a guy who only only does one thing, and that is launch. And he's not. I'm doing just it saying well, you could so. have made the argument that hey, that's a that's a at best a fair trade. It might even be lopsided a little bit. Like, and then you throw Halliburton into the deal and. It gets 
way wilder in my like like here's the thing that should have been the one person that was on like off limits they, like if you would have said mm-hmm. hey we're gonna put fox in this trade like mm-hmm. i wouldn't have yeah. liked it but i've been like okay like now you got halliburton and sabonis and you're you're that there's your restart you know but yet again it just kind of looks like all right we're fighting for the 10 seed you're 20 and 35 like and you just traded the person yeah. that like for one thing like Good on you guys because like Halliburton fell to y'all and y'all didn't mess it up and y'all took him and you lucked out that he fell to you because he wasn't supposed to go that low and he has already rewarded y'all with showing flashes of being amazing and his he's you know his ceiling just keeps seeming to grow every time he kind of you know gets a little better. I feel like we've seen the Sabonis ceiling already and he I know he's only twenty five. And he's in, in like I you don't like him as like I don't necessarily like him, but I, I think he has some value. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen his ceiling. Halliburton, I think, has just begun showing us where he can sure. go. And you just traded him and you kept Fox and you'd have this team that makes no sense right now. Like, and so here's the, my question now is gonna be okay, who else is going? Is Barnes out? Is Holmes out? Is Bagley going to get traded finally? Or like, I mean, like, what are you even going to do with this? Like you're 20 and 35 and you just made it, you made a deal to, to quote unquote, solidify your stance in the standings and it. And I, I don't understand it. Like, and you, oh my gosh, I just can't wrap my brain around <laughs> getting rid of the one player who should have been off limits on your team. Yeah, look, that's where I'm at. I, I'm probably, you know what's interesting? I really like watching Sabonis play basketball. He, you know, I love post play and and kind of that old school, old school style of of basketball. I just don't think you can win with that. That's my thing. It's like I I, I like watching Sabonis whenever I happen across a Pacers game. I enjoy watching the footwork and the passes from the post and all that kind of stuff. I think it's cool. Um, I also think it's almost impossible to win with the primary focus of your team or even maybe the secondary focus of your team being a post player who does not block shots and cannot shoot a three mm-hmm. at all. I just think it's a really hard way to win basketball right now to win, to win. And I don't, you know, to do anything more than win like 45 games. Now for the Kings, they're saying, man, it'd be awesome to win 45 games. <laughs> I also think that, <laughs> The bubble season when the Pacers were at their best, they were such an easy out in the playoffs. It wasn't even, I mean, it was, it was a joke. The Heat beat them. And I know the Heat went to the finals that year, but I think they were the worst playoff team. They, I think they were like the four seed, weren't they? But who, nobody cared. Nobody was scared of them. Nobody thought we're going to have a hard time with the Pacers in the playoffs. And I'm not saying that's all Sabonis' fault at all. I'm just saying it's hard to construct a roster around or with a guy like Sabonis in today's NBA and the Kings are going to do. Now I've been saying that for a while and over the last, what I think is happening is this. I think over the last month, because forever you would hear Sabonis come up and like all these national NBA guys who are a lot smarter than me would talk about how like some team's going to have to give up the farm to get him because he's so good, like all this sort of stuff. And I think what has happened is that I think that that his name has been out there in these circles. I think that calls have been made. I think the Pacers have been quietly shopping him and not getting back the expected Mm -hmm. return. 
And all. he clearly does not drive, did not drive with Carlisle. And so that, yeah. that he doesn't jive with anybody. Yeah. He didn't jive with the last guy yeah. and he didn't jive with McMillan either. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, I mean, he, I'm not saying he's like a, a problem or a locker room issue or anything like that, but I, I think, I don't know. There's enough smoke there to me to Agreed. be like, yeah, I think this guy's probably not easy to work with. Yeah. Um, that's fine. You know, if you're really good, I'm just not sure that he's really, really that good. So what I think is what's happening was all these, you know, the, the, the Zach Lowe's and Brian Windhorst and, and Sam Amix and all these people, all these like great and great reporters and, and journalists and stuff like that. I mean, they're making calls constantly because what I think has happened is that those, those reporters are, are uh, talking to teams and they're finding out that actually NBA media values DeMontis Sabonis much higher mm-hmm. than what NBA teams value him. Because slowly over the last month, this is really the first time I've heard it. Because Richard and I talk about this all the time off the air because neither one of us are huge Sabonis fans. And I'm always just like, I just don't, I just don't see how you win. Richard, same way. It's been interesting how many national guys have started being like, sure there's much out there i'm not sure that sabonis is a winning player blah 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 blah. all that kind of stuff i think it's sort of filtered through a little bit maybe that's a little conspiracy theorist on my part but um i think two months ago if you said demontis sabonis got traded you would expect it's the it's the big draft picks package right like or it's the it's the warriors thing of wiseman moody kaminga i really thought that's what was going to happen a couple months ago i really did did too i did too that was out there a lot and i I had i had some kind of the same thought it's interesting that now twice in the last few years, the Pacers have made a we're getting rid of our best player kind of trade and and taken back uh, a return that is a, a closer to a right now package than a long term package. Because yeah. you remember the Paul George trade, we were all shocked that all they got back for for uh, Paul George, all quote unquote at the time was Sabonis who was coming off a terrible season and, and Oladipo who was coming off a terrible season that there wasn't the two future first round picks and pick swaps and that kind of thing that mm-hmm. they had prioritized, like just give us players, not picks. And now Kevin Pritchard's doing the same thing here. Um, but they very clearly got the best player in the trade. <laughs> like Tyrese Albarton is a really good basketball player. And I, Rick Carlisle wanted him last year or yes, a couple years ago in the draft. Yes. So yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, I think he'll be very, he'll be really good with Carlisle. I also think Buddy will have a bit of a resurgence with Carlisle yeah. as well. Now, I think Buddy Heald sucks, but um, here's a couple of things on that Kurt Goldsberry just tweeted out on on Halliburton. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because this is this is what makes it like impossibly hard to understand. He's 11th in the league in assists. He makes 42.6 percent of his catch and shoot threes. Uh, 49 players have tried at least 100 off the dribble threes. He's second in that percentage at 40.6. He, in 12 games without De'Aaron Fox, he's, this is the key, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's averaged 19.2 points and 10 assists. So if you are like, clearly no one is paying attention in the Kings front office, because if you were reading that, then that's whenever you say, okay, Hey, you know what Pacers? Why don't you take De'Aaron instead? You know, like if we're going to make this deal, you can yes. take De'Aaron Fox instead. Yes. Unless they have De'Aaron Fox lined up for something else, which is in- entirely possible. But I, yeah, you know, no. not, not, not if you're trading how I assume, I mean, you would, even for the Kings, that would be insane well, to trade both. Never of them. say never um, because they are, they are the Kings. So <laughs> they are the Kings. Yeah. I would say two things here. Um, I love Therese Halliburton. I, I think I had him fourth on my draft board last year and I, 
I wanted to go higher. I love Therese. I love him. I love his game. I love what he brings to the table. I do think that there's a little bit of overrating his um, potential. Like, do you think his potential is perennial all-star guy? I think I think with the right situation he could be, but he's definitely okay. he's definitely in my opinion he has more potential right now for you at the Kings than De'Aaron Fox does. That hundred percent. Now that's my second point. Yeah, stay, stick with Halliburton for right now. Do you? I I I guess my thought would be, if you made me bet, will Halliburton make an All Star game? I would I would bet yes. Now that he's going to have his own team for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you if you ask me, is this guy a three to five time All Star? I would say no. I do not believe so. Or if is he an All NBA player? No, I don't believe so. It's really hard to build a team around a guy who is not a top fifteen or twenty player in in the league. You know, a good team around. Now, if if Halliburton is your second or third best player eventually, cool, we're good. You know, like I'm abs- I'm all in on that. I was pretty open about how much I wanted him in the. I wanted the Mavs to trade mm-hmm. him for him in the draft last year. Um, I think, yeah, for sure. No, I just, I'm not sure they like, they for sure got the best player in this, in this draft by a wide margin. And to your point, I, if there are teams out there that still dig buddy, you could probably flip him now or in the summer and, and get even more and, and you'll be okay. I, I just would stop short at like Therese Halliburton is a future top. Yeah, no, I, and I, cause I don't, I don't really think that, that's but I still that. think even if he's not that, you, you you like say deal 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 as soon as you can if you're the Pacers because like you know like that's like yeah oh hundred percent no yeah. I'm 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 with you I the, I like I like the move for the now the other thing the about players. the Pacers too is that they have to figure out is how does like is Brogdon redundant now for them and so yes. and it, I think they want off of and that's I think you can have Brogdon right now for uh, cap though. which is probably fair because he's you know he can't, get, he can't, he can't stay, stay on the on court the yeah and so it it just it's going to be interesting that like this, this just makes me now, I told you before we got on way more scared for the next couple of days as a, as a fan of a team that needs to be in on some of this stuff. Uh And also like, I don't feel like we're done. Like I, for some reason I feel like, no, I totally, I feel like somebody's going to slip in here and either be like a third team on this trade or like, I feel like that, you know, I would not be surprised at all if we find out later, like, Oh, like, Hey, actually, Ben Simmons is going to the Pacers, and Halliburton's going to the Sixers. You know, like that kind of stuff. Like, which is was wild. Don't get me wrong, but like, I, I feel like somebody's going to slip in and make this different. Because the thing is, like, you know, everybody now is jumping to, well, that means that these other teams need to make moves. Well, not really, because right now, like, the only teams that got better are playing teams and teams that may not even may not even make the playoff playing teams, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah. It's not like if the, you know if the Bucks would have, were to make a deal right now, then that that makes the the Sixers and Nets maybe think more about a Simmons and Harden mm-hmm. swap. But yeah. right now, this does not change the championship contender landscape. So it's just it's going to yeah, be no, interesting totally to see agree. what happens yeah. for sure. Yeah, there's no team that made a move in the last three days that is now even competing for like home court advantage. Yeah, you know, it's or oh, except for the Cavs, obviously the Cavs, not. Not trying to, but that was just, but that was already a minor, like you know, we look minor deal yeah. to like just kind of yeah. fortify them. So that's you know, it's great, yeah. but yeah, yeah. No, by the way, I want to say too, I fully agree with your point on if you're the Kings, why in God's name are you trading Therese Hall? You had to, like, I fully understand we got to move a couple of these guys, we can't have 
Everyone on your team should have been touchable except for him. Like, yeah. 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 And Mitchell, we can't have all four of those guys. We got to move on from some of them. I think they've ruined De'Aaron Fox. And, you know, I I think I said that on the air a couple weeks ago. I love De'Aaron Fox coming in. I really do. I I see how it can work and I I want it to work. I I like that. He he needs a fresh start somewhere. I think it's too late. I think they ruined him. I think I really do. I think I think they they Tariq Evans him. It's I, I think he's he's he looks worse now than he did two years ago. It's 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 amazing how bad and just in all levels he is now compared to where he was a couple years ago when it looked like he was kind of making the rise. So yes, like I mean maybe the Pacers are like we don't want De'Aaron Fox. I would totally understand that. We're not going to make that move then. You know something like that, but. To trade Halliburton instead of getting off Fox, and by the way, a huge sum of money that you owe Fox now, I think is is most Kings. It, it is the most we are committed to barely scraping into the tenth seed by default kind of move you can possibly make. And it it's mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's I'd be <laughs> be very worried if I was a Kings fan. But if I was a Kings fan, I'd probably already be in a lot of trouble mentally at this point. So. It's, it's, yeah, it's just I, I just I kind of feel bad for him at this point. It's just like good grief. Yeah, I know. My ex-wife is a Kings fan, so they, <laughs> I don't care. Uh, but it's <laughs> but I I mean, I'd like to retroactively go back in time and and uh, move them to Seattle. That'd be that'd be cool. Maybe yeah. something different. It's okay. New Get New Orleans there. might be taking that spot. So yeah, Vivek Vivek has been a disaster. I mean, like the he success in that he is he kept that team in Sacramento. That's it. That's where it ends. It's awful. I mean, it's just awful. Year after year, you can expect them to do the dumbest things possible. And you know they're, like, again, they're, Sabonis has his fans out there. There are people who really love Sabonis. And maybe it'll turn out that he, I mean, he's going to be a good player for them. It's just, how do you think that's going to translate to? That's the thing. Is it? It's not that he's not going to be a good player. It's that, yeah. what is it really going to do? Like, it's not like he's not going to come in there this week. And then make you guys go from 13th to 10th, you know, like it's yeah. not going to happen. And even if it does, even if it is a miracle. Who, yeah, who like, cares? Yeah, yeah, you're not yeah. going to beat anybody. So yeah. what's the point? <laughs> it's, it's If you do, it's it's by default as much as anything else. Yeah. So I, I don't know. All right, we got to get out of here because we both got to go back to work. Um, real fast. We're going to do another episode in, in a couple of days. We'll, we're going to record on Thursday evening, Thursday Thursday night. After the trade deadline, we'll talk about whatever else happens between now and then on Thursday. When we get back together on Thursday, has the Harden Simmons trade happened? I think so. I think I do too, man. I think it's happening. I think yeah. a lot of people like got wind of it, and everybody was like, "Oh!" And then the I think that when the parties involved realized that it that it blew up way faster than they thought it would, and so they tried to like be like, no, 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 it's not actually that they're not it's not actually happening. And now today, even today, it's come out and be like, actually, I think it is happening. <laughs> so it's just kind of who knows. I I just think if you the, the way that Harden has looked and the way the team has looked, you know, the Nets have lost what eight in a row now. Like it, there's uh-huh. there's no. This is this makes this is probably the most sen- makes sense trade of you know stars probably out there because it it gives both of them a chance to like figure something out and they can go to teams that are going to win and it just it, I think it actually would be the best case scenario for everybody and I don't think it necessarily end up the best case scenario for everybody but you know what else are you like at this point you know if you're the if you're the Sixers you just watched. 
most of the people that you wanted from the Kings go somewhere else. So like that, that, that Mm -hmm. takes out that the guy that you could have had, you know, in the off season got traded to the Pelicans. And so very quickly, the market for him is, is dwindling even more and more. So, you know, you need to make a move on it at some point. So what I think is happening as much as anything and this, this, I heard this on uh, Wendy's podcast today or Friday. I can't remember which, um, but I agree with the, the assessment. I think both sides, like, I think that the Simmons-Harden thing is happening, okay? Mm-hmm. And I kind of even think they probably have a, a general agreement in principle of, like, yeah, we need to swap these players. <laughs> I think both sides are saying, now what are you throwing in to make yes. me do this? <laughs> and, you know, and both sides have an interesting argument because if you're, if you're the Nets, you're like, this dude hasn't played a basketball game for you. You've ruined his value. Why in the world would we give up extra uh, to to get him off your hands, you got to give us action. And you got to give us Steph Curry or sorry, not Seth Curry or or Maxi or Thibel or or whatever else. That's how it's got to be. And if you're the the Sixers, you're saying, bro, he's coming to sign with us this summer anyway. Yeah. So if you want to get anything for him, you got to get this done. Uh, you got to give us. I don't know J- uh, Joe Harris if he was alive or you know I don't know what else Nick Claxton and Cam Thomas or future picks that's what Daryl Morey wants and that's the thing is I don't think that it's going to be a swap I think it's going to be almost like a line change of <laughs> it'll be like you know Simmons and Maxie for Claxton and Harden sure. or something like that like it's not well there has to be at least one more player going for like Simmons for Harden doesn't work financially so there has to be at least one more piece coming from Philly. Uh, to to the Nets now that you know what that is 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 the the deal you know it could be as small as uh, Thibel's contract or it could be something bigger and you know that you know that the the we know that the Sixers are trying to get Harris involved in that too somehow mm-hmm. um, it is what it is I I think that the I mean we got a really good look at the Sixers the other night when the Mavs made a ridiculous comeback in a game that ended at like 1 a.m. local time and stuff. I didn't, but okay. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you didn't. You saw it the next day, you bum. Uh, that was a late we, start, man. I was tired. So, <laughs> Man, that was an awesome. That was the best game of the year. But yeah, like the 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 Mavs beat the, the Sixers for two reasons. One, because Luka was the best player on the court with respect to Joel Embiid, who might win the MVP. Luka, Luka was the best player on the court. And two... They went to a zone. They went to like a, almost a one, a two one two kind of zone, and the Sixers had no answer for it because nobody could do anything except for Joel Embiid. He was the only person who could do anything. And when they were locking him out of the paint, he also was like, "Well, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this." Um, they need to get him some help because they're mm-hmm. they can really make a run. They can really make a run here now. We can talk all day about whether the Harden thing is going to be right or wrong to do that, but we will probably get a chance to do that. I think you're right. I think we're. I it feels like it's going to happen, but. Maybe it's an off-season thing, but it, it seems like the uh, the groundwork has already kind of been laid, and we're just working out the details. Yeah, we got to go. We got to get back to work. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Uh, leave us a five-star rating, five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. We like to read those out at the end of the show. We'll be back in about forty-eight hours, talking everything else that happens on the NBA trade deadline day. And until then, stay hard, Ronnie Rogers.